And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good afternoon, good morning, everyone, whatever time frame you are in. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And as we often do, you know, we kind of deviate a little bit from talking just about social media to talk more about business in general. And I am so delighted to have a return guest today, so please join me in welcoming back Mark Schaefer. I, I can hear the applause. I know, I know. I know. You know, the, the raving People fans. People are clapping in their minds. They are, they are. And, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about that later on, I'm guessing, because we're going to be talking about Mark's new book. And first, for the folks who aren't familiar with Mark, and I'm not sure why you're not, but if you're not familiar with Mark, let me give you a little bit of information about him. Mark W. Schaefer is a globally recognized blogger, speaker, educator, business consultant, and author who blogs at Grow, one of the top marketing blogs of the world. He teaches graduate marketing marketing classes at Rutgers University and has written four best-selling books, including The Tao of Twitter, the best-selling book on Twitter in the world, and now it's actually in at least multiple printings, Mm -hmm. and Return on Influence, which was named one of the top business titles of the year by the American Library Association. But today we're going to be talking about Mark's new book, which is The Content Code, Six Essential Strategies for Igniting Your Content, Your Marketing, and Your Business. So again, Mark, welcome back. I'm, deli- I'm, be- I'm becoming a regular. You are. And you know, I'm sure that my fans just absolutely love it when I have you on because you do have such great information. And I love talking about this book because... I saw you give a presentation here at Inbound Marketing Atlanta, and it was right before the book came yep, out. So we kind of got this exactly sneak right. tease. Yep. So not only have I read the book, I have my notes from that presentation right here <laughs> in front of me um, because I did. You know, I, I took a lot of notes, and it was funny. I've talked with other people since then that frequently what we do is, you know, sometimes we, we take screenshots. You know, we take photos of, of the presentation so we can tweet. You know, we do all of these various things. But I still sit and, and actually take physical notes on occasion. Sure, sure. That's, that's, so, yeah, you know, it's it's – it's great at the topic because content is what drives the world. It's what drives marketing. It's what drives everything. And so many times I hear people say, I write, I write, I write, I post, I post, I post, and nothing happens. Right. And so first, why did you write the book? And then let's really get into the, the foundation and the principles of it. Well, I wrote the book to solve a problem. That's okay. why I write all of my books. This is my mm-hmm. fifth book, and at the heart of every book is a question that I just can't answer in a blog post. It's the, it, it mm-hmm. takes something bigger. So the question at the heart is, it's almost just like you say, is I'm working as hard as I can. 
I think I'm following all the rules. I'm creating all this content. I'm building an mm-hmm. audience and nothing is happening. Right. And the reason for that is because most people still have uh, a mindset about marketing as it was 18 months ago or two mm-hmm. years ago. And the world has changed and it's about to change much more. Right. We are facing this incredible tsunami, this explosion of content. You look at every statistic, all the research out there, and people are spending more and more resources, more money, more time creating content. And mm-hmm. this is all competing for the same attention span. And right. I could argue that this is the most difficult time ever to be in marketing because, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have been around for a while and you can probably remember the days when marketing meant, hey, you had a couple TV channels, you had right. a daily newspaper, mm-hmm. sprinkle in a little PR and a trade show, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Well, today, there's so many channels. Our audience, are, they're so fragmented. And not only are these platforms evolving and changing every day, but the rules of engagement are changing every day. So mm-hmm. for the last year and a half or so, I've literally been obsessed uh, with figuring this out. What do we do? What is next? What is the next step? And that is what the book is about. And I'm, I'm, okay. I'm quite sure that I'm right. Right. Well, and it only takes, you know, somebody sitting at their computer for, you know, 15, 20 minutes with Facebook, Twitter, emails, all of those things going on. Maybe they've got the radio on, they've got a TV, you know, for people to realize that we're inundated with content. And, you know, so much so that in many cases, it's just white noise. We don't pay attention. We don't really read it. You know, I might have Facebook scrolling merrily along in front of me, but am I really paying attention? No, not really. You know, and and that is kind of what you have coined this term of content shock. Mm. So describe that a little bit more to us. Well, it's rather predictable, really. And when I first came out with the idea, uh, it, it, it really stirred people up. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's it's common sense. And I think the more it begins to sink in, uh, the more it makes sense to people. I had one young guy, actually, I think he might have been in Germany, wrote a blog post. It was called How Mark Schaefer Blew My Mind. <laughs> and uh, he talked about, <clears throat> I wrote this article that said that our way of thinking about marketing and content will not work anymore in this new world. And here mm-hmm. is why. And in any human system, economic system, or natural system, if there's too much of something, mm-hmm. the system changes. It adjusts. Mm-hmm. And as marketers, with this flood of content coming at us, if people have a limited attention span to deal with it. We have to adjust. And he said in his blog post, at first I was defensive about this and I was angry about this. And then I started to realize he's right. And we Mm -hmm. do need to think in a new way and we do need to uh, adjust. And the idea of content shock is is just this period that we're in, which, again, as I said, is really a natural progression of our world. And it's very predictable. So when we started out marketing on the Internet, the first thing we needed to do back maybe in the 90s was – create a website. If you were Mm -hmm. the first business with a website, you had some competitive advantage. But once your competitors figured it out, you had to adjust. Same thing with search engine optimization. If you were the first one to figure out how to climb the search engine rankings, 
great, big news, mm -hmm. happy days. But once your competitors figured it out, it became more difficult. It became more expensive. And that's where we are now with mobile marketing, social media, and which is driven by content. It, it mm -hmm. works. People are figuring it out. And now it's time to adjust. We have to find a new way to maneuver. And mm -hmm. what I suggest in the book is that today the conversation is really focused on, as you have said quite well, content, more content, right. better content, optimized mm -hmm. content, and trying to build an audience. But the fact is that there really is no economic value to that, to, to the act of producing and publishing content. It mm -hmm. has to move. People have to see it and right. they have to engage with it. They have to share it with, share it. And that was the economic driver of the web, of social mm -hmm. media. And mm -hmm. not only is this strategically important, but there's a lot of data. I try to use as much research and as much really excellent data as I could in the book. And, and some of the data that supports this that shows that 70% of adults say that something that they see that's shared on the web influences their purchasing decision. So smart CMOs are aware of this and they're saying, you know, we need to we need to get our 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 um our content to to ignite. We need to get our mm -hmm. content to move. The other thing that is so fascinating is that when people share content before they share it, they have to read it. They have to internalize it. So mm -hmm. more than 80% of the people who share content, they're also buying into your ideas. They're becoming advocates for your mm -hmm. business. So this process of sharing content is extraordinarily important. And that's what we need to begin to understand. So this suggests mm -hmm. an entirely new mindset. We need to understand what is making our content move or not mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. Who is sharing our content and why? What are they sharing? Where are they sharing it? And as I began to immerse myself in these ideas and this research and really the psychology and the sociology of sharing, it was mesmerizing. It was really moving in a way because this is a very intimate and personal experience. Mm -hmm. And so it was inspiring to me to, to learn about why people share content and, and how we can help companies do that. Right. Well, and it's it's so important to note, it's not the, the effort of writing it and putting it out there. And, and, and you've mentioned this, and we'll talk about this in much more detail, because if it's just there, it really is just there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the process of somebody sharing it, of somebody talking about it. I had the, the privilege of being able to interview Ted Wright about word of mouth marketing. Mm -hmm. And and it's incredible, you know. I I do have a background in advertising, but my it's more uh, my background is actually more in public relations, because I'm one of those people that thinks advertising is almost the last thing that you do. You know, we don't go to the newspaper to look for a furniture ad unless we're ready to buy furniture. And so all of that advertising, all of those things, I'm always like, really? But it's you know, it is something where you know we. We have definitely changed our mindset. We don't believe ads. We might not even believe that sponsored Facebook post or that sponsored tweet. But if somebody I don't even know mm. tells me, hey, that's a great product, that's a great service, 
I'm like, okay, sure. I'll, I'm more than likely to try them out than if I just saw the, the ad or, you know, something like that. And, and I think that's kind of the big shift that so many businesses are struggling with because they want to be the ones to tell their story. Well, you know what? You kind of get them started and then you let it go from there. You're, you're hitting on a very, very key point. And that is this idea that people do share for emotional and intrinsic reasons. Mm-hmm. But b- businesses don't understand that. And um, so, okay, so why do people share content? There are lots of different right. re- reasons, but there mm-hmm. are three main reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's an expression of their self-identity. It makes them look cool. It makes them look right. relevant. It makes them look mm-hmm. interesting or funny. Um it's almost like putting on our favorite pair of jeans. It, it makes a statement about us. The mm-hmm. second reason, and actually this is the biggest reason why people share content, is simply an act of generosity and kindness. They want to right. help people. Hey, my mom could really benefit from this article that I saw. Oh, this made me laugh. I'm going to share it with my audience and make their day brighter. The third reason has nothing to do with the content, really, and everything to do with the organization or the person behind it, that people believe in this brand so mm-hmm. much. They want to support it no matter what is being written. Now, so you've got this connection, this emotion behind the act of sharing content. And yet businesses, their default position is we want to try to get people to share content through promotion, advertising, SEO, couponing, and that might be a way to get them to click, mm-hmm. but it's not a way to get them to share. You can't right. trick them into sharing. People mm-hmm. have to authentically, emotionally believe it, believe in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I still see today, there was an article, Deb, uh, two weeks ago, in Ad Age magazine that there's been this renaissance in SEO. Every big advertising agency now is doubling their their resources on search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. Why? Because these brands have bought into this idea. We need to create content. They're looking all all this money they're spending on the content. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, what do we do? And the ad agencies are saying, oh well, SEO. You know, we know that it's worked before. Right. And that's one of the things they mention in the book, but it's really a minor, minor part. And, mm-hmm. and you need to look at how does SEO fit in the context of ignition. Right. Well, and, you know, in the book, you've got the, the six strategies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we've kind of been dancing around some of the things that are in there. But let's get into those in detail. And I, I love the acronym Oh, yes. Now, oh, you know, yes. It, it is so funny, and I loved it in the book where you said <laughs> that you really hadn't noticed what the acronym spelled until it spelled out. And for those of you, and you know, for, for all the people who are going to cringe at this word, it's funny. Folks, it is funny. The acronym spoiler is alert. badass. Spo- spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it is badass. And it's and so explain to us the various pieces. You know, Let's do them quickly, and then let's go back in and, and talk about each one sure. more in, in uh, depth. So I did a deep dive for more than a year to explore what makes content move. What is every mm-hmm. single thing we can do as a business to get this content to ignite? And I, and I mm-hmm. came up with there are six possible strategies. 
And the thing I like about this, and I, I think will help a lot of your listeners, is that this is not a formula. It's not a right. linear process. You don't do one, then two, then three. You don't need a huge budget to work on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one section of the book, really, that takes any money at all, and that's SEO and advertising. Right. But So people can read different sections of the book and take out little ideas, and anything they use mm-hmm. will help. So the six things are, in badass order, is B, branding. I talk in the book about how sometimes, as I mentioned, um, people share content because of who you are. And we all have brands, and even individuals have personal brands, but mm-hmm. not everyone is a heroic brand, that uh, a brand that people love so much that it transcends the content, it transcends SEO and social media and, and advertising, that people just are so in love with what you're doing and they believe in you and they want to support you and they share the content. So I I have an entire chapter on what does that mean and Mm -hmm. what do we need to do to achieve that? The A stands for audience. And specifically, I introduced this term, which a lot of people really seem to love, is this idea of the alpha audience. These are the people who are actually sharing your content. And as I mentioned, this is the real economic benefit. These are the people that are creating, they're moving the needle for your business. Mm-hmm. Now, studies show this could be less than 2% of an online audience or an online group of friends or followers. Mm-hmm. Do we really know who these people are? How do we recognize them, acknowledge them, reward them, nurture them? Mm-hmm. If it's 2% of our audience, how do we make it into three and four? So it's a very, very fascinating new way to think about your customers. Mm -hmm. The third one is D. We've already talked a little bit about that. Distribution, Mm -hmm. promotion, advertising, and SEO. Mm -hmm. And although these might be familiar terms to people, what I do is is shine a new light on these ideas in the context of how do they help or not help content ignite. So even if you're familiar with these ideas. This is a new way to think about it. Uh, The next one is the second A, and this stands for authority, which is very, very complex. And of the six ideas, it's the most difficult one to uh, have an effect on in the short term. And I, I describe in the book through some case studies how sometimes the most powerful content doesn't rise to the top. The most Mm -hmm. powerful websites do. And so there's a connection between the site authority of a website and your ability to move content. It can help you or it can hurt you. So I talk about how can you create more authority for your site and in the the short term, how do you get around that problem? Mm -hmm. The next one is an S, which is social proof and social signals. And a quick way to, to talk about that would be, you know, let's say that you want to learn, you're down in Atlanta and you want to learn how to grow a vegetable garden. So mm-hmm. you know it's kind of tricky because you've got a lot of heat down there and a lot of humidity. So you Google it and you mm-hmm. get two really cool blog posts. They both look awesome, but one has been tweeted two times and one has been tweeted 250 times. Which one will you read? The one that's been tweeted the most. 
Right. Because we're in this world of information density. We need help. We need mm-hmm. clues on what to follow, what to read, who to believe. And so this is called social proof. We are igniting this content only because of a number. It has nothing to do with how good it is, who wrote it, where it appeared, you know, uh, nothing to do with advertising, promotion, or SEO. It's a number. So we have to understand what that means and how we can put that to our use. And the last one is shareability. And it's a topic really so big that it took over two chapters to cover it. Mm -hmm. And what I've done in this section is look at everything we can do to help our enable our content to flow. How do we remove every obstacle, whether it's how we write it, how we present it, how our blog is structured, how we promote it? How do we remove every single obstacle to give our content the very best chance to ignite? How do we build shareability into our work? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also a very practical and useful chapter. So that's right. that's the badass strategy. Right. Well, let's go back because I really – I think one of the, the most important things – and, you know, I kept – Coming to this in the book, I kept looking at it in my notes, is this concept of the alpha audience. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you mentioned that maybe it's only 2% of the people that you're connected with yeah. or you know, who, who follow you. And I, I kind of think of them as like my little ninja followers. Ha, ha, you know, those, those are the ha, people that – yes, the, oh, I look, now that. I just give you a new term. So they're my that. little ninja the followers. Problem, it wouldn't have been badass anymore. It'd be be, right, be, be fan Oh, that would have been – yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're my alpha ninja followers there. How's that? Um, and, and these are the people who they uh, not quite hang on every word, but they read almost every post. You know, they, they do all of these things. And, and I don't know that most of the time yeah. until, say, I get an email from somebody and they say, so-and-so told me that you that I need to talk to you about doing social media for mm-hmm. us. And I'm thinking, did they they, they even notice yeah. that I read all that? You know, and, and or I'll actually meet them in person somewhere, a networking event or whatever. And they will mention my posts mm-hmm. and they'll say, oh, yeah, hey, I read about when you were doing this or, you know, I saw that you interviewed Mark Schaefer on Mile High Radio. And I'll say, really? Because you never comment, you never like, you never you never share the content. You know, sometimes they do share it, but I don't always know that. And but there are those people who are the raving fans. You know, they're they're very quiet but then when they speak, people pay attention to them, you know, and, and so that's kind of why I think of them as the, the ninjas, because they're just kind of floating around out there. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, they, they share something. And it just amazes me because many times I didn't even know that they were paying attention, let alone cared enough to, to share. Yeah. Well, you bring up a very good point and a very compelling challenge. Um, well, look, I mean, some people, I mean, our customers, um, we can name them. We can, we, mm-hmm. we can name the people who are right. passionate about our businesses and the products that we sell. Then there are those that you're kind of hinting at. And one of the common terms floating around right now is dark social media, which sounds mm-hmm. very mysterious. But what it really means is that, yes, people are sharing your content. We just don't see it. They're right. sharing it on uh, – 
email, mm-hmm. text messages, direct private messages. I've got mm-hmm. a guy in Canada says he shares my content. He prints it out mm. and posts it on, on bulletin boards in his office. Wow. So, I mean, that's kind of old school, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's dark social media because he's mm-hmm. sharing the content, but I will never see it. So there's people in the light. There's people in the dark. The people in the mm-hmm. dark, we may never know that they're there. Studies show that may be 70% of our audience. Now, wow. in between, though, mm-hmm. there's what I have been characterizing as gray social media. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that these are the people who are telling us they love us, but mm-hmm. we just don't hear it. And our metrics and our dashboards aren't really set up for that. So mm-hmm. let me give you an example. I recently spoke uh, had a, at South by Southwest, and I have mm-hmm. a wonderful time there and meet up with a lot of old friends. And someone took a picture of me with, an, with one of my friends and posted it on the social channels. And somebody commented on Twitter. Uh, she said, the people in the picture, she said, these are my two favorite bloggers. Now, mm-hmm. I never heard of this per- person before in my life. As right. far as I know, she had never tweeted, commented, emailed. I didn't know she existed. Mm-hmm. And yet, she's sending out a small but very strong signal mm-hmm. that she's an alpha audience member. Mm-hmm. I'm her favorite. She loves me. She supports right. me. So in a typical business dashboard, I would never see that. That would be accumulated as a mention. It mm-hmm. might go into some statistic that shows there's positive sentiment about me because she used mm-hmm. my name and the word favorite. But I wouldn't see this message. I wouldn't be able to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. She's part of the 2%. Or maybe I can nurture this person and I can and, and her and others and make it 3%, then 4%. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we get those quiet signals, that doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It could be extraordinarily important. Uh, an example I use in the book is what if you someone only tweeted four or five times a month, mm-hmm. but half of those tweets were about you? That's significant. Right. We, that's, that's their way of saying, I support you. Mm-hmm. But, we, but, but do we really pick up on that sort of thing? And, and, we, and what I'm suggesting in this day and age of – incredible information density, we can't afford to let those messages slip by. We've got to right. find a way, the, the, the insight, the innovation, the competitive advantage is not in big data. Everybody has big data. Mm-hmm. The, the insight and innovation comes from the little data. It comes from right. these small, strong signals that give us new ideas, that give us validation, that, that are you know, symbols of people saying, I love you, you're important to me, and I'm part of your audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's also so very critical in this is when you find those people, you need to acknowledge them. Um, you know, I, I think that's so mm-hmm. cool to be able to say, you know, and maybe you do it privately. You know, de- obviously it depends on, on how they did it. If it was just, a, you know, on, on Twitter, you can find them, you can thank them. You know, sometimes they want to be thanked publicly, sometimes they don't. I mean, you know, there's there's a variety of things, but... 
if if they feel acknowledged, well then, holy cow, you just made a lifelong alpha audience member out of them because you took the time to say, you know, hey, Bob, Sue, you know, whatever, thank you so much, you know, and 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 then they're like, wow, he noticed me, you know, it's it's kind of that uh, thing where you know it's a celebrity, if a celebrity reaches out, shakes your hand, says thank you, but you're like, oh, I'm never going to wash this hand again. Um, and, and you'll love this. I actually saw that at a University of Tennessee football game um, and where, you know, this little girl was screaming that she was never going to wash her hand again. And I thought, you know, it must have been the quarterback, must have been somebody. Sh-. No, it was the coach. And this was, this was several years ago. But, you know, it, it is kind of that same thing. That little girl is going to love that team, that coach forever. You know, that's that heroic brand. Yeah, exactly. And and it didn't take that much for them to acknowledge. You know, they they just stopped and shook her hand. They didn't call her by name, probably, you know, all those various things. But when we've got those alpha people, we need to acknowledge them when we can and, and thank them for their support. Otherwise, you know what, they might not be an alpha person any longer. You know, I... I, this is that's just a great story. I, I, I love that. And you, you never know when that little gesture is going to mm-hmm. really mean something to, to, to people. And, and you're right. There's no shortcut. You just have to uh, treat people with kindness, respect, go out of your way to try to acknowledge them, let them know that you appreciate them, let them know that they're being heard. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, there's no shortcut. You have to build your audience one person at a time, and right. and that's what it that and, and that's one of the points I make in the book actually about building the heroic brand. If you study, I interviewed 50 different people for the book, and if you study, you know what they say. There are common themes, and one of them is these people work hard. Mm-hmm. They are accessible all the time, and uh, and and that's what it takes to stand out today. Mm-hmm. Right, and. You know, that it is something that, you know, if you're a true alpha audience of someone else, you really do look forward to what they're writing. You know, you you read all of their posts, you read every blog post. And, and again, you might not comment, but, you know, it, it is that core group. And what I've seen marketing people take, you know, the exact opposite tactic of is we have to have numbers, must have numbers, must have numbers. I actually had a client that wanted me to buy Twitter followers for them oh. <laughs> and, and I refused and they got really pretty angry and I had to, you know, explain why. And, and I said, you know, it, it, it just isn't worth it. Mm. You know, yes, somebody might look at that account and say, wow, they have 10,000 people who follow them, but then when when you delve a little bit deeper, if only ten of those ten thousand care about that brand, then you're you're wasting your time messaging to them because they're really not paying any attention. Um, you know, and and of course Facebook has now started penalizing accounts that have done that, where you know if it looks like you have somehow inflated the number of likes, they go in and delete them, which I think is is kind of an interesting process. Mm, but mm. you know, it, it's. It all it comes back to you know kind of being that that true heroic brand. You know, if you're a, a hero, you're not going to buy your followers. Um, you know, you might try it, but it really doesn't work. Uh, you know, it's, that was one of the things that I talked about with Ted Wright about word of mouth marketing is, you know, those people who spread the word about something, most of the time they're not compensated. Now sometimes they are, but then you know they're they're open about it. They say you know hey you know I got these pair of shoes for free. 
but I already wore them before mm-hmm. then, you know, or, you know, things yeah, like that. Right. And, and and I think we see the celebrities who are pitching <clears throat> something and we <clears throat> think, yeah, right. That woman does not use hair color that she buys at Walmart. I'm sorry. She makes millions of dollars a year. <laughs> and so then to me, that's that's the antithesis of the heroic brand of the alpha audience. Um, you know, I look at, and, and it does. It turns me off. I think, well, why would I want to buy that? Yeah. You know, one of the lessons I think I I think I mentioned this in the speech in Atlanta, but it's not in the book because unfortunately I. I met this young lady after I wrote the book, but, or I mm-hmm. certainly would have included her. Uh, there's a young lady. Her name is Bethany Moda. She's 19 years old, and um, she was recently named one of the 30 most influential people on the Internet. And she's, wow. she's a YouTube star. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's 19 years old. She has 6 million followers. She makes $40,000 a month just from the YouTube advertising. Mm-hmm. She has now contracts with big brands. Uh, you know, not only is she a spokesperson for some of these uh, clothing lines, she is designing for these clothing lines. And wow. she mentioned that um, she said, "I don't wear their clothes all the time." And you might be thinking, from a branding perspective, now wait a minute. If I'm paying mm-hmm. you all this money, you better be wearing my clothes in every darn video you make. Mm-hmm. She right. said, I won't do that because mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. If I only wore their clothes, my fans would know something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I have to be true to myself. I have to be true to my fans. I have to be the same everywhere and all the time. And there's so many rich lessons in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just blown away by this young woman's uh, – really innate business sense and maturity mm-hmm. and and uh, her deep, uh, real understanding of what it takes to mm-hmm. be a heroic brand. And I, I think we're in an age where we have all these monetary temptations like mm-hmm. native advertising, sponsored post, posts, um, you know, uh, people uh, paying to get their content on a blog or a podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, people paying for links. And that's not heroic. That's not really being authentic. I think that that to stand out and to really create that heroic brand, there has to be an enormous amount of trust, radical trust and radical honesty. And unfortunately, it's kind of sad to say, that's a point of differentiation today mm-hmm. oh, and definitely. certainly something I'm counting on that I, you know, I'm not going to do anything to breach that trust with my fans. They can count mm-hmm. on me every single day. There is going to be whatever content I create, whatever content I participate in. It's going to be me wherever I am. It's going to be authentic. It's going to create value and I will never let them down. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's where brands go wrong is when they they aren't authentic and they get found out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's the, the you know the celebrity who really doesn't use that yeah, that product, or you know the the company that bills itself as being a green company, and then you find out, well, no, it buys everything you know from from another country out of slave trade. You know, all of those various things, and it. It really 
comes back to, as you said, being authentic, you know, and, and maybe the company did make a mistake and buy something they didn't intend to. Okay, own up to it and tell people, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. we did that. We found out about it and now we have fixed it. Mm-hmm. Then you go even higher up on that heroic platform. And, and But, of course, the tricky thing with being a hero is sometimes people like to knock you down. And, mm. you know, that ends up being a, a totally different issue for a different conversation. But mm-hmm. if you have built this fabulous following where people know you're authentic, where you have all of your, your alpha audience – they're going to be the ones that come to your defense. And I think that's probably one of the things that companies forget also is, you know, it, that comes back to that social proof, you know, and, and all of those things where if somebody does something wrong and, and the company says, well, we did that wrong, bad, bad, bad. But if thousands of their raving fans or, you know, maybe it depends on what it is, maybe 20 people, if they say, oh, my gosh, you know what, they made a mistake, but we still like them. That's where it comes back to, you know, really being true. Yeah, I mean, again, Dev, you know, a lot of really rich wisdom in in that uh, in that commentary, um, and, and it is a two-edged sword because when you do become a heroic brand, even if you are one of the good good businesses out there, you do become a target in some ways because there's just a lot of nasty people out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, there's competitors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's there's just to to put it that simply, there are competitors mm-hmm. who want to prove that. You, you know, you didn't write that post or mm-hmm. you didn't make that product or, you know, all of those various things. And mm-hmm. and but it does come back to to your true followers. You know, they're going to be your best defense. Yeah. Have you experienced that? I mean, do you take do, do, do people take shots at you because you're successful? And not terribly often. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did have it happen when I worked for um, a, a very large company mm-hmm. where somebody just thought, hey, you know, this is a great company. And they did it simply because. They wanted to get their name in the paper. You know, this was long enough ago that mm. that was, was what was happening. And um, actually, it was the American Cancer Society that I worked for. And, you know, fabulous organization. It was my first PR job out of, you know, when I really decided to, to make this my my career. And somebody decided they wanted to to hurt us. And, you know, my first reaction, it was a reporter who called. I was the, the PR person. My first reaction was, you know, I heard who it was and I knew what type of story she did. Mm-hmm. And it took everything I had not to hang up the phone. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, dear. Um, but, you know, what I told her was, thank you very much. I'll find out more and I'll get back with you. And we did. We found out that we had made a mistake. We fixed it. I called her back. I said, okay, the CEO can talk to you. Here's the steps that we have done, yada, 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 yada. And she said, eh, there's no story there anymore, um, <laughs> which, you know, that was, that was exactly what I had intended to, to do. But it was one of those things where somebody thought they're big. We can get our name in the media if we start taking pot shots at them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, uh, the good news doesn't sell. <laughs> No, it's, you know, we're, we're old school PR people. If it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, well, let's, let's get back on, on talking about this. Um, what I really want to focus on for the, the last part of the program is this shareability, the, the idea of making something shareable mm-hmm. and, and why people share. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that people share, you know, for, for the three reasons, but, how can we as a business provide content, provide information that makes people want to share it? And, and 
tugs on those emotional heartstrings and, and things like yeah. that. Well, you know, as I as I said, I don't want to oversimplify things because people really do share for a lot of different reasons. Right. But I think mm-hmm. the one thing is uh, the first step is that companies have to kind of get inside the the shoes of their customers and the minds mm-hmm. of their customers and think, okay, or even just do self reflection. Why do I share content? And look right. at the content I'm producing. Is that something I would share? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then that is the start of a new journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things I emphasize in the book is that the the baseline assumption is that you're creating uh, strong content, meaningful content. That's the starting line. That is the, the table stakes to even compete today. So mm-hmm. if you're not investing in content that's relevant, interesting, timely, even entertaining, then, I mean, you need to, you need to take a step back because you're going to be working on ignition, but nobody's going to care because the content isn't any good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we get to that point, then we have to look at, okay, I mean, I got, you know, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. I mean, this is going to be hard for you to believe. But I was on a company website uh, yesterday, and I saw mm-hmm. this tweet come through, and I said, well, that's a really interesting article. I clicked on it, and I went to their blog. They did not have social sharing buttons on the blog. <laughs> now, that seems so simple, but the research mm-hmm. shows 50% of company blogs do not have social sharing buttons. Right. And if you just add social sharing buttons, it can increase the shareability of your posts by 700%. Mm-hmm. So do that. <laughs> right. Well, and it's funny because people will say, well, they can cut and paste the URL into their Facebook. But yeah, I'm sorry, this comes back to the KISS principle. Keep it simple. If I just have to click one button, I will click one button. If I have to copy, share, paste, uh, well, then I got sidetracked on something else. You need to remove every obstacle in the way of that article getting out into the wild west of the web. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge obstacle. This same website had no obvious way on the blog to subscribe to the blog. Oh, it didn't have the you know the social connection uh, mm-hmm. links. Uh, it didn't have the comment section activated. Wow. And and just this is just a little thing, but mm-hmm. if people comment on the blog, it's likely they're also going to share it because now mm-hmm. they have bought into that content. They've invested oh, in that content. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so anyway, there, there are lots and lots. In the book, I've got you know, dozens, maybe hundreds of different ideas. Mm-hmm. All, there's probably a, at least one idea on every single page of the book that, right. com- that companies, businesses, and even individuals can use to help make their content flow onto the web. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that people always tell me is I'm a in a boring industry and people don't care about my content. Mm-hmm. You know, a good example, insurance. Yeah. I've had people say, what on earth do I post about insurance? Mm-hmm. 
And I tell them, tell stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say, well, there's this new insurance proposal coming down from, you know, blah, blah. no, tell how it's going to affect people, you know, and, and, but what other suggestions do you have when people say, or, or everybody else writes about it? There's either too much out there, so nobody yeah. cares, or it's so boring yeah. that nobody cares. Well, I mean, they're, they're, those are really two separate issues. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can be highly conversational but you're in a very information-dense de- industry or information-dense niche, and, and you still mm-hmm. have a problem, either though, even though people love you. Um, the other issue is, are you a boring brand? And that is a, you know, that's a relevant question because mm-hmm. – and uh, let me bring that down into some research and some data – so uh, there's this piece of research that occurred last year that was very, very good. It was done by a company called Agora Pulse. They studied mm-hmm. 8,000 Facebook business pages, and they did a big analysis on this, and they showed how organic reach had declined really in a cataclysmic way in just 12 mm-hmm. months. But 6% of the companies had increases in organic reach. So there's like this hierarchy mm-hmm. of conversation ability, and you could probably kind of predict which brands are having the easiest time igniting mm-hmm. their content. It is sports teams, right? celebrities, mm-hmm. athletes, musicians, um, uh, television shows, um, Disney. Coca-Cola, Nike, mm-hmm. these are companies and brands that we might talk about at the dinner table. What's at the bottom of the list? Appliances, transportation and logistics, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, tools. Uh, so um, that doesn't mean that those brands shouldn't have a social media presence. Right. But – it might say it might be less of a priority than other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't say social media is a hammer looking for a nail. It's not going right. to solve every problem in the world. We have to be mm-hmm. very rational about this. There are lots of different opportunities for uh, for marketing a business. Mm-hmm. So if you're not conversational, the next question is, can you be? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's funny, but I I was just having this conversation about a woman uh, that came to me and said, I am a person who markets insurance, (laughs) and I find it boring. So it must be Mm -hmm. be a trend going around, Deb. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the ideas that we talked about, one of the things that we got to was at at, – what she was trying to do was there's, there was a certain subset of companies that she served through her insurance. And, and these companies were vitally interested in finding ways to save money, to reduce their, their overhead and their costs. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is, that she started to do is to curate content. And what I mean by curate is to find relevant, interesting, helpful content every week or every month throughout the web, wherever it Mm -hmm. is. It doesn't have to be your original content. Summarize it, maybe even add your own commentary to it, and and use that as a tool to inform and help and educate your customers and create value 
through other people's content. You know mm-hmm. what? That's a great way to use content to be useful and helpful. And then people are going to say, you know what? That that Sarah, man, what she's doing is awesome. She's, you know, we, we, we're looking for ways to save money. We're getting this newsletter from her every week. Maybe we ought to call her and see mm-hmm. if she has ideas specific to us. So, I mean, there there are lots of different options. There are lots of different opportunities out there. You just have to be smart. You have to be rational. You can't right. you can't leave your brain at the door just because everybody's doing social media. That doesn't mean you have to do it just that same way. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can also share other types of information. Um, you know, maybe maybe you are the insurance salesman. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, maybe not all that interesting, but there's a great business networking meeting that's happening. And so you can talk about that. You can, you know, there are so many other things. I think that's where sometimes businesses get caught up. And, you know, maybe it's the marketing person or the salesperson or, you know, whoever they think, I have to only talk about my product or my service. Well, whoopee. (laughs) I want to hear that maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a business that, you know, lawn care. Great example. I just, I actually just saw a lawn care truck drive by. There's Dozens, hundreds, you know, we're in Atlanta. Everybody has a lawn care business. Mm -hmm. But if I started seeing them talk about, okay, tips for keeping your lawn uh, green, okay, that's going to be cool. But then if they say, here's a great project we did for a playground, or, you know, here's the, the business organization that we belong to. When I start thinking, hey, they're involved in my community, I might be more likely then to deal with them because you know, they aren't one of these one of hundreds that come and go. Mm-hmm. They're more involved in the community. I'm thinking, wow, okay, these are good people. And that comes back to that authority and and back to that heroic brand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody that you can trust because they are involved in the community. Yeah. Now, uh, if somebody came by and said, oh, well, okay, those guys are great, uh, but we do the same thing and we use the same chemicals on your lawn and we'll give you a 20% discount, would you switch? Probably not. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and actually, I put it back. It would depend on how much I spend per month. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and there are, you know, certain things yeah. that, I mean, yeah, my, my, you know, my point, it, my point just You is, give me a sale, I'm going to yeah, take the, the point, sale. The point is you can't leave your brain at the door. And right. mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly, certainly, uh, just like different uh, companies are more conversational than others, certain products are more commodity-like and price-sensitive mm-hmm. than others. And so, you know, loyalty and brand may be may be less important. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just have to look at this holistically. You've got to look at the whole tool bag of marketing mm-hmm. tools that we have available right. to us. But almost certainly there's a place for social media with, with almost any business today. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny. I was giving a presentation to a group of high school students. And and what I was talking to them about was obviously social media and how it can affect them getting into college, getting jobs and, you know, really telling them behave yourselves, you know, those type of things. But one young man and and I've worked with him on other projects at this high school. So I know that he's very interested in business. He's part of DECA. He's part of FBLA, all of these things. He said, is it a problem if I don't have any social media presence? Mm And I thought about that for a second and, you know, and and I told him, I said, I want to talk to you later, but to me, having no social media presence is better than having so-so 
or worse, bad social media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and but I told him, I said, okay, I know you're just 16, 17 years old, but you still need to get on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, and, and but it, it, I tell companies that too. If you're only going to do social media halfway, or you know, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, it, people pick up on that very quickly that you're really not that interested in it. Yeah. Well, that's another interest. I mean, that would we, we could almost take up another hour with just that subject. Mm-hmm. Of the increasing uh, opportunities and risks of a, of a social media presence. I mean, right. uh, you know, with the things that are going on, even if you've got social media accounts that you think are locked down, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no such thing as privacy anymore. So no. it's interesting that uh, the sentiment of this young man saying, well, maybe I don't want to be anywhere. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to hear more of that, mm-hmm. even with millennials, even with the digital right. nat- natives mm-hmm. saying, you know what? I just don't want to expose my life to the world, mm-hmm. and I'm concerned about my privacy and where all this is going to lead. So you know, that's mm-hmm. another topic for another day. Right, right, which, of course, you know, we have you back on again, so we will talk about that. But I'm going to bring us back full circle on that because I've had some people tell me that they're getting tired of Facebook mm-hmm. uh, in, in particular because there's just too much stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're feeling overwhelmed or they don't like the content because, you know, hello, we're getting ready to go into a new political season, <laughs> you know, and, and so they are saying there's just so much out there. I get overwhelmed and so I don't use it. And then what the heck does a business do if all of a sudden that is gone, that, that avenue where they tried to reach people is, you know, the, the people they tried to reach aren't there anymore. Well, it's already happening. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, organic reach is just one of the most visible declines of our ability mm-hmm. to connect through social media, but it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I wrote the book. And I, I think that's right. why this book is important because mm-hmm. as I start out in the introduction, I say, this is a book about hope. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a book to say it's, it's, you know, it, there are other things that you can do. There are other ways to compete and there are right. new ways to maneuver. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where we need to move the conversation because people just aren't thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Well, and there will be new ways. Um, you know, 10 years ago, who would have ever thought that a good portion of our marketing might be on Facebook or on Twitter? They didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so it is, you know, things are changing very quickly. And, you know, you're uh, an educator and, you know, obviously very in tune with the, the industry and things. What do you see coming down in the future and maybe the next five, ten years? The thing that I am really fascinated with is I mentioned to you earlier in our in our show here that there were these three kind of epics of digital marketing so far. There was, mm-hmm. you know, creating the website, search engine optimization, mm-hmm. and then the social media mobile era fueled by content. The fourth Mm -hmm. revolution or epic is really uh, at our doorstep, and that is a a revolution that's going to be enabled by wearable technology and augmented Mm -hmm. reality. So we'll live in a world where the Internet surrounds us like the air that we breathe. We -hmm. we won't have to worry about a Wi-Fi connection. We won't Mm -hmm. have to worry about our battery life. We won't have to worry about an opener like is my computer compatible or my smartphone? Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that you know, should I have Apple or Android? We're not going to have to worry about that anymore. 
because right. the, the, there's going to be a digital layer across the world that will be have we, we can see that we'll, we'll mm-hmm. have access to all the time. And I think there are profound implications for marketing here, and it's going to be the most exciting time to be in marketing because for the first time, we will have no boundaries. We, we, right. we don't have, oh, we have a one-hour time slot or we have mm-hmm. a certain page size or we have to use a certain font because we're going to have the whole world to play with. We're going to be creating immersive mm-hmm. marketing experiences. Right. And that's how – that's going to be the next phase of getting people out of their content filters. You mm-hmm. know, there's, they're, they're, they're pummeled by all this content. They're creating these filter bubbles around themselves. We're going to mm-hmm. have to draw them out uh, with this idea of immersive experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, we saw Google Glass kind of start yeah. down that way. Now we've got Apple Watches, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of those mm-hmm. things. And, and I'm a technology geek. Now, I'm, I'm not an early adopter. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually wait until some of the bugs have come out. But I love the concept of, of a lot of these things. Um, I received an offer on Clout, which we didn't even talk about. But um, and it was for a new technology where you no longer had a password. They digitally scanned your eye. Sure. And I passed on that. That was a little bit too freaky for me, but that's probably coming before too long. I mean, you know, we see it in, in high-tech industries already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it is just going to be a matter of time where, you know, I won't have to enter, I won't have to remember my password. Yeah. It'll just, you know, I'll just do a quick retinal scan. Yeah. In five, in five years, uh, the, uh, the Minority Report movie will look quaint. Right, right. So, Mark, oh. We have already used up our hour. It, it is just amazing how fast time flies when I talk with you because it's so much fun mm-hmm. and you have so much great information. So before we go, tell people, first of all, how they find the book and then how they find you online. Well, you can find the book online at uh, Amazon. It, there's a paper version available. There's an electronic version available on Kindle mm-hmm. and on uh, Barnes & Noble. There will also be an audio book coming out probably in about uh, three weeks. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so I I would love for people to read and enjoy my book. That would mean a lot to me. Perfect. And, of course, your website is businesses, plural, businessesgrow.com, and you've got your blog, all sorts of great information there. Yes, that's right. And you can find my podcast, more information about my books, and, and lots of free resources. Perfect. Well, Mark, it has been fabulous talking with you. Um, We just barely scratched the surface on this. And and as we found talking, there are several more topics we need to cover. So I'm sure we'll have you on again and you'll write another book and we'll need to talk about that. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. Thank you. And I am Deb Creer. For those of you who haven't connected with me, it's pretty easy. Go to my website, D-E-B-K-R-I-E-R.com. And to everyone, have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>